We've got Todd Furman. from. He's in Vegas. Todd, who would affect the point spread more, Ryan Tannehill or Derrick Henry? If you have to even ask me this question, Brent, I haven't taught you a damn thing in nearly 10 years of doing this segment at roughly the same time every day. When you look at the drop-off at quarterback, if uh, we're talking about Logan Woodside taking over from Ryan Tannehill, uh, I'd make over a touchdown adjustment, which is probably more aggressive than the betting market. Um, But that's kind of how I feel about what Tannehill means to the offense and what he's shown over the last couple of years. Yes, Derrick Henry's been outstanding. He leads the league in rushing for back-to-back years, the first running back to do so since Ladanian Tomlinson in 2006-2007. But you can replace a running back uh, much easier than you can replace a pivot because teams will put 11, 12, 27 men in the box to take away Henry if Ryan Tannehill's not out there. So are those the kinds of things you're looking for? Because you just said you you would make it more than a touchdown difference, but you would be more aggressive than Vegas. So then you've got value built in there, right? Exactly. I mean, that's where we can kind of identify opportunity as betters. If we don't feel the market has adjusted enough to a player's absence, whether it's a skill position, a starting quarterback, or anywhere else on the field, that's how we go about identifying opportunity. And oftentimes you can capitalize with narrative. I think a lot of people out there don't understand the impact that Ryan Tannehill has had on this offense over the last couple of seasons when you dig into his metrics. Uh, and quite frankly, there's nobody else on that Titans roster right now at the quarterback position that would leave you brimming with confidence to take over and run it as effectively as Ryan Tannehill could do, especially when you look at the team and realize, hey, the mastermind behind the offensive resurgence is no longer there in the form of Arthur Smith. You're going to have a first-year offensive coordinator in Todd Downing taking over. And while it's not apples to apples, you look at Todd Downing. He's called plays once in his career with the Raiders back in 2017. The Raiders finished 17th in yards and 23rd in points. I know the Titans' offensive skill position guys are significantly better, uh, but for those folks that think this offense isn't going to miss a beat, uh, I think they're sorely misguided. That's interesting. So where, where is the Titans' number right now? Um, are they at nine? Uh, right, is that what that is? Yep, right now if you shop around, there's some nines out there that are heavily juiced over, and there are some nine and a halfs where you'd have to lay a price to go under. Now, the thing the Titans fans should obviously be excited about is they play in arguably the worst division in all of football, especially with questions swirling about the Colts. Uh, availability of Carson Wentz, although I think there's a good chance he'll be out there for week one. But you have two teams in the Jags and Houston Texans that are in full-blown rebuild mode. So you have a two-horse race atop the division. And I'm not sure the division champ in the AFC South is even going to need to win 10 games uh, to try and get into the postseason. So do you think, well, you think the over-under on um, a guy like um, Justin Fields getting in before Andy Dalton, we were just talking about this, um, what, what would this over-under be? Two games, three games, or a situation like that? Yeah, I I mean, right now, Ron, if you look, Dalton is a massive favorite to be the week one starter, and I would be absolutely stunned barring injury if we see Justin Fields fed to the Wolves week one in prime time against the Los Angeles Rams. It's a great question, though, because when you look at the Bears' schedule and try and find that soft landing spot uh, for where Fields might actually make a whole lot of sense, the Bears will start the season against the Rams, They'll get a home game against the Bengals. I don't think you pull the plug on Andy Dalton that quickly. You have a road game at Cleveland, and then you have back-to-back games against two teams that I have rated in the bottom five in the NFL in defensive talent, in the Lions at home and then at Vegas. The problem for the Bears, the four games after that, Green Bay at Tampa, home against San Francisco at Pittsburgh before the bye week. So I would probably make the over-under for field debut start. Uh, I'd set it for week four against the Lions. So outside of Trevor Lawrence, who's the most likely rookie quarterback to get out there first? 
Well, I mean, Zach Wilson, uh, I mean, not to be a smart ass or anything. No, 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 I mean, no, those I two guys. Yeah, those two guys will be out there right from day one. Uh, but at the same time, if you feel that Fields is going to be the Bears starter as early as week four or five, you know, there's a little bit of opportunity to bet him for rookie of the year because he'll have a much better supporting cast uh, than the other quarterbacks. And we've seen it time and time again. You know, just because a guy doesn't have a direct path to playing time right out of the gates doesn't mean they can't make for an attractive wagering opportunity uh, early on. And I think that's part of what makes the rookie of the year market so fascinating. Um, but if I'm looking at, you know, overall there, not to go off on a tangent, uh, I'd probably be focused on Javante Williams, the running back in Denver. I really believe he's going to be their week one starter. And I think the Broncos aren't getting enough love in terms of what this team has as far as overall roster talent. Speaking of rookies not getting enough love, Kyle Pitts, man, that's the guy, rookie of the year. Yeah, I mean, I think Pitts is going to have an impact. There's, there's no doubt Atlanta is going to want to get him involved, and he is a physical specimen uh, at the tight end position. The problem being is when you look at the learning curve for tight ends, it's been a little bit difficult for guys to really be impact players right out of the gates. So much more is asked of them than just going out there and catching passes and serving as a wide receiver. So it'll be fascinating to see how quickly Arthur Smith can get him involved. The problem for the Falcons is you scheme for Calvin Ridley, you try and take away Kyle Pitts, uh, that roster doesn't have a whole lot of weapons, in my opinion, You know, knowing that Arthur Smith goes from having a battering ram and Derrick Henry in the backfield to a guy in Mike Davis that isn't nearly as explosive. Yeah, they ain't, not only do they not have weapons getting the ball, but they might not even have a weapon getting them the ball. But <laughs> well, it, it all depends on how on you it. evaluate. It definitely depends on how you evaluate Matt Ryan. Clearly, he's in the twilight of his career, uh, and he's not going to be the same pivot uh, as Ryan Tannehill. So there's no doubt that all this love that the Falcons are getting, uh, I'm a little bit skeptical, but uh, I think Arthur Smith can do things. Uh, we saw him resurrect Ryan Tannehill as far as an offensive mastermind. So got to believe there's a little bit of optimism down there in Atlanta that this team will be better than what we've seen the last That's couple of years. This is a great week for Todd, though. Like, I, I mean, he's on my side. Until we see what Arthur Smith does, Todd sounds like he's on my side. He's in the sleigh ride. <laughs> sit, back, sit back. I'll get a cocktail doesn't to take you. Sides. Todd doesn't take sides. You know, I have to take sides where I think there's opportunity to make money. So uh, I will say Slay, uh, I'm, as of right now, I'm definitely leaning towards the Eagles. It's three-and-a-half-point road underdogs week one against Atlanta. Hey. Uh, but have not bet the game yet. Have to do significantly more digging uh, before I dive into what my week one slate will look like. So wh- where are you on ha- having said that? Where you're, you're, you're not fully in on week one yet. Um, have you taken a look at the Titans and Cardinals? Uh, I have, and uh, the biggest question I have, and it's something that we talked about every week last year, and I know Titans fans weren't thrilled about it, uh, but it's the defense. And while you bring in a ton of fresh faces, whether it's Bud Dupree coming in off his torn ACL, uh, Janoris Jenkins, Caleb Farley, who they drafted out of Virginia Tech, you know, you look at Danico Oshry, Elijah Mold, and the list goes on and on, and you guys know as well as I do, everyone talking about Imani Hooker, there's still a lot of fresh faces that have to integrate into a defensive scheme, and it makes me skeptical for a team that was bottom five in nearly every key metric. They weren't able to get pressure on the quarterback, and one thing that blew me away as I did some of my preseason digging, of the 13 teams that had the fewest sacks last season, guys, only the Titans made the postseason. So for me, that tells me it's typically not sustainable. And in comes an Arizona offense that's a lot more dynamic. Uh, for me, with this number being bet from two and a half to three, strong lean early on towards Arizona plus the field goal. Hmm. Interesting. So I keep telling time. Babs, it can't get worse on defense for the Titans, right, Todd? I see. No, you're 100% right. That's no, the one no, thing. No, no, there are no. only 32 teams in the NFL. So if the Titans rank 30th in a lot of those metrics, there ain't a whole lot further they can fall. So we kind of joke <laughs> yes, on the Bet the Board podcast. Just What's be below average and it'll be a significant 30? upgrade. What's 32 minus 30, Todd? 
Uh, I it's mean, two. It, it, right. It's two, so guess Dawn, what? It's two. It can be worse. It can be two spots worse. <laughs> well, you know what, Don? This may be the first time you and I are on the same page. Usually, I'm the pessimist as it pertains to the Titans, but here you are, ready to throw them to the wolves. Are you ready to make the proclamation that they can be worth worse? than the 30th overall total defense this year? No, I'm just saying it could happen. <laughs> That's all. All right. <laughs> I, I, see where you're, I see where you're coming from, and I can understand completely, but clearly this is a unit that's going to look a lot different, and I know a lot of people are excited about the fresh faces, but at the same time, as we've seen in the NFL, you know, individual talents are great, but continuity goes a long way, and I just haven't seen this group really make big strides, uh, especially under a head coach who comes from that defensive coaching tree and Mike Vrabel. Oof. Todd, Todd, Dang. Todd, real quick, <laughs> just tell me this. I, 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 the Titans not moving from winning AFC South, even with Carson Wentz coming back as week one. For, for me, there's no way, uh, Ron, that I can lay a price uh, on the Titans. I mean, uh, at minus 150, <laughs> minus 150 right now. I'm not running to the window to bet the Colts because I do think the Titans have a schedule that's slightly more favorable early on. Uh, but I will look for a price to try and find uh, on Indianapolis to try and get involved. Uh, and it may come as early as week three when the Colts come into uh, your guys' backyard for that divisional showdown against Tennessee. Todd Furman, our guy in Vegas. Did I see a six-and-a-half number for the Colts? I mean, for the Jaguars? Did I see that? Yeah. For which particular game? I mean, the No, the Jags no, no, win total? over under over, win total. Win total. Yeah, their win total six-and-a-half. Under, I mean, a right lot, now, with your lot. money. <laughs> uh, a lot of optimism down there with what Urban Meyer can do with a rookie quarterback and, and Trevor Lawrence. But I, I'm with you. There's no way I'm betting this team over the win total. I think they have a long way to go, uh, and it's going to take some time to really change the culture. The depth isn't quite there uh, the way I see it laid out. The one thing that they have working in their favor, I mean, again, if they play in a division where they're going to have ample opportunity, uh, but I think even if the Jags were to go 6-11 and this year, that would be considered a successful campaign. No way I'm betting this team to win seven games. Plus, they took that hit with the release of Tebow, man. Hey, I mean, now they're not going to have uh, God on their side, and we know that's where it's at least one and a half games over the course of 17 weeks. Okay, let me ask you this. Houston Texans, what's the overrun on win total for them? The Houston Texans win total as low as four and a half uh, in a lot of spots. And again, another team that I'm not running to bet them over. I don't quite know how a franchise has fallen into disarray as fast as the Texans. And I kind of tweeted out, I mean, it's only a year and a half ago. This team had a 24-7 lead in the playoffs at Arrowhead against the Kansas City Chiefs. And here we are right now with the worst roster in the NFL, uh, a head coach you know, who will be the oldest first-time head coach in league history, and David Coley comes out, and I'm not sure if it was earlier today or yesterday, saying, you know what, I'm going to play off my gut more so than analytics. Houston Texans fans, all 17 of you that are still out there and loyal to the franchise, I wish you nothing but good health, uh, but this fall is not going to be all that enjoyable for you. They went 4-12 and 12 last year, so, uh, and they got worse. And that, so. and that was with Deshaun Watson with putting Deshaun. up ridiculous Hall of Fame-type numbers, Slay. Right. So imagine if you don't get that quarterback play. I mean, you have a trio of running backs who I'm not quite sure would qualify as bona fide Division One starters right now, uh, where they are in their career, David Johnson, um, uh, Philip uh, Lindsay, and one other that eludes me right now. And defensively, I mean, they have a long way to go. I mean, this is just a team that's got to figure out its identity uh, and kind of scary for the Texans going forward. You can't name all their running backs. They have 57 of them. Just no, exactly. It'll be running back by committee. You'll get a carry here, a carry there, 
And some teams it works with the San Francisco 49ers and Kyle Shanahan. Uh, I'm not going to give the Houston Texans the benefit of the doubt in terms of how they're going to distribute touches in the backfield. That's for sure. Speaking of Deshaun Watson, here's what Coley had to say today about him. Deshaun's here. Uh, Again, every day he's here, he comes in, he works. you know, he, he does he does what we ask him to do, and, uh, you know, he's here every day, and he's doing fine. But was he, is he injured? Or? No, he's not injured. You know, he's just, like you said, we, each day we have a, we come up each day, and we have a thing for him, and uh, basically we got done what we needed to done yesterday in practice. What in the world did he just say? Uh, number one, well, Slay's right during the bite. He said he sounds like Obama. He sounds like a combination of Obama and Gruden. And Gruden. Yeah, Gruden. But yeah, what did there's not a, whole, not a whole lot of reason to be optimistic uh, about his contributions. When you look at what some of the beat writers close to the Texans have said, they believe Deshaun Watson has played his last down, and then I yeah. think Watson is listed as fourth on their depth chart. So uh, I can't imagine uh, we'll see him take a single snap as a quarterback of the Houston Texans going forward, uh, and clearly the most likely landing spot still remains Philadelphia, in my opinion. All right, the Vols uh, play two weeks from tomorrow. They're, what, 33-point favorite uh, against Bowling Green. You find value in Tennessee there? Uh, you know, I don't find value on either side, but uh, I'd rather be holding a ticket on the Vols. I'd rather be holding a ticket on the Vols than I would Bowling Green. Uh, when I looked at some of my power numbers here, uh, obviously some questions about what this Josh Heupel offense will look like. And uh, this is a team in Bowling Green that doesn't have the athletes, doesn't have the depth, doesn't have the coaching to really push them whatsoever. So it is the definition of a lay it or don't play it type game. Uh, I think at least for one week, Vols fans will be pretty excited about how this group will look. Nick Saban said today that they've got one player that is not vaccinated. What are the odds that that player is vaccinated this time tomorrow? Uh, he'll either be vaccinated by tomorrow or he will not be a member of the Alabama football team. <laughs> there's, no, there's no chance that Nick Saban is risking anything uh, that will pertain to on-field performance or their ability to defend their national championship in any capacity. But I did see that the Big 12 earlier came out and said they're going to recognize any COVID issues as forfeits. I can only hope that cooler heads prevail, that if these rosters are 100% vaccinated and you do have breakthrough cases, hey, you know, let logic kind of rule and let these kids either go out there or play. Don't penalize them for doing everything they can within their own power. Titans-Buccaneers on Saturday, what do you think? Well, the biggest question is, you know, what will we see from the Titans as far as their first unit is concerned? Bruce Arians already come out and said, hey, look, we're not playing any of our starters. We're going to use the two joint practices to get us far enough. Obviously, for the Titans, you're not going to see Julio Jones, or at least I'd be stunned, uh, given the fact he really hasn't been available in practice. You look at the Titans, they were much better defensively than I anticipated in their opener against the Falcons. So for me, uh, I would lean towards the Titans in this particular spot. Problem being, you missed the best of the number uh, with the Bucs, a three-point favorite, but uh, I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Titans win this game going away. At Todd Furman, the Bed the Board podcast. Check that out. Thank you, Todd. Appreciate you, man, as always. Always a pleasure, guys. Look forward to catching up again next week. There you go, Todd Furman. Love him during football season.